Welcome to FIO on the Air, the voice of the festivals and events industry in Ontario. Please welcome our CEO and your host, Dave McNeil. Hello and welcome to FIO on the Air. Today we've got Harry Vogt, a past president from KW Oktoberfest on. And, and Harry's did a really neat uh, presentation when he was president back in... Uh, 2013, 2014, and he did a, a, a presentation on five generations of volunteers at work at Oktoberfest, and we asked Harry to come in today and wrap up our volunteer series. Harry, welcome. Thanks very much. Glad to be part of it. So, Harry, um, I, I try not to talk too much about Oktoberfest, although I, it seems to get slid into every conversation we have in these. But uh, can you just sort of walk our listeners through uh, a little bit about some of the volunteer programs that KWO has? Um, you know, an organization that's been around 50 years is obviously doing something right to retain volunteers. And I believe you still have some of the original cast of characters around. Oh, definitely. I mean, we're very fortunate. We do have uh, one of the original founding members, and that's Jack Bishop, uh, who will be a volunteer with the festival for 50 years this year, of course. Uh, so, of course, he has a lot of history and knowledge uh, of what's transpired over those 50 years. But like every other organization, uh, we understand that uh, the volunteerism programs and expectations of volunteers is changing, uh, and it's nothing near what it used to be 50 years ago. And uh, it's really important uh, that we target some of the younger demographic uh, to get them on board uh, sooner than later because they are the future of any organization and it's time that uh, we really engage the youth movement, as I would say. And we had Sammy Felchenfield from Volunteer Toronto on and we talked about recognition, retention, recruiting and volunteer management. And, you know, sitting from afar now, I, I think it's fair to say that uh, KW Oktoberfest follows pretty well all of the principles uh, Sammy was talking about. So congratulations to your organization. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, the big thing we see, Dave, is that, uh, you know, the volunteers we, we have at Oktoberfest, they want to have fun, they want to socialize. They want to learn, and uh, in general, they want to contribute to the community. So that's something that we strive to provide those opportunities to them. And that's one thing that Kitchener-Waterloo is noticed for. It's volunteer-based, um, and Oktoberfest is a big part of that, obviously. But you don't get uh, events like the Memorial Cup or the Scots Tournament of Hearts or the Briar or the LPGA Golf Tournaments and stuff like that if you don't have a great volunteer base. Yeah, I mean, the volunteers of Kitchener-Waterloo Oktoberfest are the lifeblood of our organization, no question. Uh, their heart's in it, uh, and uh, we're extremely grateful to have the volunteers, their dedication, and their engagement. There's lots of organizations that have volunteers, but they're not engaged. But we're definitely proud to say our volunteers are engaged. And Harry... You as an individual, um, you know, you're just uh, in your first few days of retirement, but I know that you personally have had a, a really and, and continue to have an active in, engagement in the volunteer community, not just with Oktoberfest. Yeah, that's right. I'm, uh, I'm involved, uh, you know, with the, uh, the German Canadian Hunting and Fishing Club, which is also known as Hubertus House during the festival. I'm also involved with... Uh, Locally, uh, several work-related uh, organizations on the sheet metal side for the Waterloo-Wellington, as well as the provincial board, and also, of course, uh, involved uh, with the cottage association that we belong to. So 
there's a lot of things that I got my fingers in at the moment, that's for sure. And Harry, as a volunteer, everybody does it for different reasons. What were some of the reasons you, you got into the volunteering to the level you have? Well, I think the biggest thing for me was uh, this community was phenomenal to grow up in. And I saw early on in my youth, uh, just from simple things as playing sports and football, hockey, baseball, etc., cetera, uh, what some of those coaches did and how they uh, mentored and melded me and gave me perspective. And I felt it's only fair uh, that I was, uh, since I was treated so well, that I give something back to our community as best as I could. And that's really what drove it. For me, it's not about personal gain or satisfaction. It's about sharing the knowledge, especially at the age that I am now, and helping mentor some of the younger people and demographic that's coming on board. And it really does make you feel good when you give back to the community. And I know this community is no different than any others where, you know, a lot of the service clubs are struggling. Some of the cultural clubs are struggling. Do you see that base coming around? Is there, is there a change out there? Well, I think uh, to a certain extent, uh, what a lot of the organizations have to understand is that a lot of the, uh, let's call them the, the Generation X and Generation Y aren't nearly as committed to staying with one organization for a long period of time. They might give you five good years of volunteerism and they'll move on to something else because for them, it's always about gaining more knowledge, uh, more training and making their overall uh, talents better so that uh, they can move forward not only on the volunteerism side, but also on the work side. Okay, so I think this is a good time to jump into your presentation. Let's just start off uh, basically, Harry, with your five generations at work and and talk quickly about uh, what that breakdown is. What are the five categories that you you set aside in your... Yeah, so uh, the first one is the traditional generation, and those are all the individuals born pre-1945, Uh, They currently represent about 8% of the workforce and volunteer base. And, um, you know, they are kind of the old dogs and they have a lot of uh, treats that they can share with with, uh, the younger younger crowd, so to say. They're typically, you know, well in their 80s now. We're talking about, depending on your age, your parents or grandparents. They were more or less factory workers in our community that worked in tire plants, foundries, uh, textile industry, tanning plants, shoe industries, etc., breweries, distilleries, and really the, the the form was the man worked and the woman stayed at home and raised the children. So bottom line on traditional uh, generation, if you have these individuals in your organization uh, as a volunteer, they have much to offer. They have a high commitment to quality, a great work ethic, good communication skills, uh, the reliable and hardworking And the older they get, the more social they get. And, of course, they have a lifetime of experience uh, that anyone can draw on, and they definitely make great mentors. The traditional generation, then. So, basically, that's the 73 and older crowd. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, we're going to just take a quick break before we jump into the baby boomers. Uh, One of the things, Harry, maybe before we do that... One of the neat things I thought, you put some perspective into your presentation and you put some critical events into the lives of the traditionals. What are a few highlights that those people lived through? Because I think that really shaped the way they think and the way they work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you have to understand the uh, some of the critical events that affected the traditionals was, you know, in 1928, penicillin was discovered, the big stark, uh, stock market crash in 1929, and the Great Depression in 1929. 
And of course, you know, you had uh, Hitler invading Poland in 1939. Pearl Harbor was attacked in 41. Uh, D-Day in 1944. And of course, 1945, when the atom bombs were dropped on Japan and World War II ended. So these guys had really a tough life, so to say. And uh, that's why you will find that many of these people are very frugal and never throw anything out. Okay, Harry Vogt joins us this week as we're talking about uh, five generations of volunteers. More in just a minute on FIO on the air. Become a Festivals and Events Ontario member today and join a family of more than 500 members that represent over 1,400 festivals and events in Ontario. Knowledgeable, dedicated and passionate event organizers and volunteers who can help make your event a success. Membership fees range in price depending on the size of your festival or event. If you're a supplier of goods or services, you can also become a member and get connected with planners across the province. So many benefits, so little cost. Buy your membership today. Contact us now, Debbie at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. The voice of festivals and events in Ontario. FIO on the Air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. Welcome back to FIO on the Air. Harry Vogt from KW Oktoberfest joins us. We're talking about five generations of volunteers. Harry, the next one on your list are the baby boomers. Talk a little bit about them. Yeah, so the baby boomers are the age group that reflects 1946 to 1964. Uh, They currently represent approximately 30% of the workforce. And uh, an interesting fact is that over 70% are anticipated to stay on past the retirement age. They work well with others, and they want to make a difference. So um, the important thing to remember about baby booners is that they brought you into the world, and they can take you out. (laughs) (laughs) So again, we're talking the 72 to about 54 in the age range. That's correct. And some significant events in their lives. So some of the significant events for them, of course, they're also known as the sandwich generation because they look after their parents as well as their children. And uh, But some of the uh, events that uh, really affected them and shaped who they are, of course, was in 1960, John F. Kennedy was elected. 62, we had the Cuban Missile Crisis. 63, uh, JF was assassinated. And uh, universal health care was introduced in Canada in 1966. 1968, we had Martin Luther Jr. Uh, was assassinated, as well as Robert Kennedy. Um, we had the Chicago Democratic Convention riots in 1968. And, of course, we had the first man walk on the moon in 69 and the Woodstock concert in 69. 72, we had Watergate. And uh, 74, of course, President Nixon resigns. And uh, uh, 1980, we had uh, the first movie star, Reagan, elected. And uh, 1980 as well, of course, we had John Lennon assassinated. But the big thing was in 1984, the first Macintosh was introduced. Wow. So, so the bottom line on baby boomers when you're working with that group? Yeah, the bottom line on the baby boomers is they provide experience uh, that provides historical perspectives. Uh, they've overcome many obstacles in life, and they have a tenacity that can meet any new challenge. Uh, they're great team players who can enhance any group. Uh, However, they don't like to be micromanaged. They need their freedom to act on their accumulated knowledge, and they perform at the highest levels. 
And of course, uh, anyone else is encouraged to capture their knowledge before retirement calls. Okay, so the next generation you talk about are the Generation X, as you call them. And they're the uh, people that are 53 to 38. They currently represent about 17% of the North American populations. And uh, they're pretty straightforward. They like to be told what you want. They want the tools. Leave me alone. Um, And uh, they don't like office politics. And the one thing you have to remember with Generation X, if you micromanage them, you'll lose their loyalty. They like their freedom. They're really the first generation that experienced two parents in the workforce. So they were left to fend for themselves, get ready for school, look look after their uh, brothers and sisters, uh, handle the chores that had to be done before mom and dad came home. I mean, some of the critical events uh, that affected the Gen X would be in 1973 was the first cellular phone call. 1981, uh, President Ronald Reagan assassination attempt. 1986, the Challenger disaster. 1987, the stock market crash known as Black Monday. Big one, 1989, the fall of the uh, Berlin Wall. And of course, also in 1989 was the introduction of the World Wide Web. And a couple other significant uh, events, Harry, that you noted are the Rodney King beating and the O.G. Simpson trial. And, and you know, as a former broadcaster, I, I find those interesting because really that's the, the beginning of the citizen capturing whatever's happening on video and really the minute-by-minute coverage of world events and, and breaking news. News happens now and all the time, and, and this generation really captures that and lives through that. For sure they do, yeah. Um, so, Harry's the bottom line on the Generation Xers. Yeah, the bottom line on that uh, group is they're completely different on how they view the work uh, compared to the boomers and traditionals. Uh, they just don't want to work long hours because the organization wants them to. They need to know prior to committing what it's all about. They do prefer to work on their own rather than working on a team, but they are team players if other members of the team do their part to meet the goal. And they're not the schmoozer types either that work their way up the organization uh, trying to schmooze somebody. Rather, they move up based on their abilities. Uh, Another thing is they get bored easily and they need to be engaged and challenged. And they want flexibility to keep things moving. And they want to be recognized for their achievements. Bottom line on the Gen Xers is they want independence, balance, variety, challenges, and merit-based promotions. They have little patience for policies, procedures, and rules that don't make sense, and they will ignore them. One thing that surprised many was that Gen Xers have turned out to be hardworking, responsible, family-focused adults, but however, they still need to be mentored and coached to help them progress. Okay, the next generation we move on to are the Generation Y, the 37 to 23-year-olds. Talk a little bit about them, Harry. Yeah, that uh, group currently represents about 25% of North American population, and uh, no news is bad news in their eyes. Uh, To them, feedback is essential. Uh, Of course, technology is something that always works, and uh, their personal life always overlaps with technology. They can't, unfortunately, imagine being as old as you are when you're talking to somebody that's, you know, a little bit older. (laughs) Sad to say (laughs) <laughs> I'll give you a quote of one of the uh, you know, well-known athletes of Michael Phelps, who's a Gen Y Olympian champion. 
he said, I want to be able to look back and see I've done everything as I can as successful. I don't want to look back and say I should have done this or that. I'd like to change things for the younger generation of swimmers coming along. And there's another one, Kelsey Wolf. She says, call me an idealist, but I want to make the world a better place to live. I only buy from planet-friendly companies. I drive a super fuel-efficient car. I don't eat meat, and I try only to eat organic food. I do volunteer work for a dance company, and I work part-time for Starbucks, whose philosophy matches mine. If it didn't, I'd quit. That really captures That pretty it. much tells you what they're about. It does. Some of the critical events in the lives of the Generation Y? Yeah, so for them, they were the first ones to see a fully functional laptop computer in 1983. 1989, they experienced the Berlin Wall coming down. Um, 1990, we had the Persian Gulf War. 1993, we had the Waco Massacre. Uh, 1994, we had the Tanya Harding-Nancy Kerrigan encounter. 1995, uh, Oklahoma City bombing, and also O.J. Simpson was acquitted. 1997, Princess Diana dies. Uh, 1998, of course, Mr. Clinton lies about Monica Lewinsky and is impeached by Congress. 1998, Google is launched. 2000, Y2K2 phenomena. And, of course, 2001, we had 9-11, and the war on terror was declared, as well as we had anthrax threats. 2002 to 3, we had SARS. And also in 2003, we had the Space Shuttle Columbia explode. And in 2004, the Facebook was launched. Yeah, and, and, and everything suggests there that we're living this in real time and it's over and over in the media. So it really captures that generation well. The bottom line with some Generation Y, how to work with them and, and how to respect some of their thoughts. So Generation Y grew up with two parents who spent time with them. They praised them. They asked them for their opinions who devoted time to making their life fun. So they expect that same level of service from boomers and Gen Xers who are either their co-workers or volunteers. They, uh, they don't need to be coddled, but you do have to understand what they need to succeed. They like to be checked with daily, and they want praise when it's deserved and corrective feedback when it's needed. And you have to be very specific about your expectations when communicating with them. They also want flexibility and to have fun. They are no doubt better skilled in technology, and they, they uh, do require some coaching on taking on responsibility. But they do their best work when they feel connected and involved. And that's the generation wise. The final group you recognize, Harry, are the Linksters, and those are the 23 and younger. Yeah, they're really the new generation, uh, currently representing about 18% of the world population. Some of the things uh, that they bring to the table, they, they like to reverse mentor some of the older team members. So this is a great gap-binding process, I guess, they bring to the table between the traditionals and themselves, where they can reverse train on technology as an example. Um, they do give structure and opportunities to, inter to interact uh, with full-time employees. And a lot of them, of course, are still in school or work with their schedules uh, that, you know, really are going to develop their future. So, Harry, um, some critical events in their lives. 1998, we had the 18th Winter Olympic Games in Nagano, Japan. 
2000, uh, Survivor Reality Show debuted. Uh, 2001, New York becomes the first state to ban handheld cell phones while driving. And 2001 as well, Netherlands becomes the first nation to grant same-sex marriages. 2006, we had Al Gore's An Inconvenient Truth. And in 2007, Washington becomes the first state to make texting while driving illegal. Of course, in 2008, we had the big financial meltdown. 2009, Barack Obama takes office, as well as U.S. Airways Flight 1549 crashes into the river, which uh, a movie was made about now. 2009, we also had the swine flu outbreak, the death of Michael Jackson, and the first AIDS vaccine showed promise. 2010, we legislated smoking bans. 2011, we had the earthquake and nuclear disaster in Japan. And 2012, of course, we had the summer Olympian Michael Phelps winning his 19th Olympic medal, which was a new record. So some of the the bottom lines on working with uh, the Linkster generation. So really, a lot of them are just starting to enter the workforce now. So they will need some specialty attention and guidance because they don't really know what to expect. They're going to be somewhat anxious and tentative, but they are very tech savvy and can easily handle jobs and involve technology. They have close ties with their parents, so they're influenced by them. They have a heightened concern for their community, environment, and planet. And many Linksters consider their parents to be their best friends. Of course, they love their video games and can't live without their cell phones. They're big multitaskers. Uh, They recognize the impact we all make individually and collectively on our environment, and they want to contribute to creating a better world. Uh, They have a tough time with face-to-face communication, and they will have to develop these skills. Uh, Schedules will remain flexible to allow the Linksters to fit into the work as well as volunteering in their busy lives. So, Harry, that's a really good uh, summation of five generations of volunteers. And, and you know, Oktoberfest, uh, it, probably in a unique situation where they have people from every one of those generational categories working together to bring this festival to the community. You're correct. I mean, uh, you know, we have this distinct situation that uh, no one would have predicted, in my opinion, And, you know, it's just very obvious to us that generations are not in a box uh, that we can fit every person firmly into. They all come with a different perspective. And sometimes it can be frustrating, but I think the best way to do is to view those all as opportunities. And what we have to do is learn and understand how we can start to engage the different people of different ages and shape and their expectations. And I think that's the important thing that this this presentation did is it really gave everybody a, a solid base to understand why one individual thinks one way and two others think a totally different way. It, it, it brings it all into perspective and, and, and puts some backbone behind it. Uh, absolutely, Dave. I think what we should remember is that every generation adds value to an organization. You know, like the traditional and boomers make great coaches and mentors. And for the most part, uh, all generations want balance between the efforts they put forth and the benefits they derive. And, of course, that has to be looked at to ensure it's a fair deal. We definitely all need to build better relationships uh, with the generations so that I think what we should take away from this is we have to be more willing to listen to what one person 
says and what what uh, respect his or her opinions, even if you disagree. And the journey of respect begins with a better understanding of why members of different generations think and act the way they do. But essentially, work environment, reliability, group work, building on ideas, diversity of group members, fighting off your first instincts, having a humble filter, and context are the foundation that will shape any volunteer organization to be successful moving forward. Well, thanks very much, Harry. This has been a, a great presentation. And uh, with your permission, we'd like to put it online and share it with some of our listeners um, so that they can sort of bring some of the, the things that you've put together here and match them against their organization. Absolutely, Dave. Uh, thanks very much for uh, letting me part of the show. Uh, again, anything that we can do to help uh, any volunteer organization make them better, I'm all for it. Okay, Harry, we're going to come back just before we wrap it up. Uh, we're going to take a little break here. We'll be back in a minute with Harry Vote here on FIO on the Air. Festivals and Events Ontario has entered the world of podcasting with FIO on the Air. Join us as we sit down and chat with the movers and shakers of the festivals and events community. The goal is to share insight, advice, planning techniques, and overall strategy with you, our FIO members. On the next podcast, would you like us to interview someone specific, cover a particular topic, answer a question? Let us know. FIO on the Air wants to give you what you need to succeed. Contact us now, Dave at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. Welcome back. FIO on the Air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. We're back with FIO on the Air. Harry Vogt from KW Oktoberfest joins us. Harry gave us a great presentation on five generations of volunteers. Harry, uh, it's the festival's 50th anniversary this year. Uh, we'll have Margot Jones on later in the year to talk about the uh, 50 years of Oktoberfest and some things that are coming up. But maybe you can give uh, some of our listeners a few highlights of what you guys have in store for this year and your 50th celebrations. So, of course, one of the big things we have coming up is a 50th anniversary celebration uh, concert that will be held on September the 22nd at the Concordia Club. And I can't release any special details, but it's going to be a great party. Uh, of course, uh, one of the big things we are about to launch, uh, which will be later on this week, is our Porsche lottery program where we're raffling off a Porsche. There's only going to be approximately 4,000 tickets sold. And the funding that we receive uh, through this lottery process will go to refurbish the Waterloo Time Teller. Uh, we also have one of the great things coming up uh, will be 50 accordionists playing with Walter Ostenach uh, in the near future. That's something that uh, we'll probably be doing possibly at the opening ceremonies or prior to. Yeah, that's a lot of big smiles happening there. Yeah, for sure. So... <laughs> Without letting too much more out of the bag, Dave, I can tell you there's probably 50 uh, projects uh, on the go uh, that will be presented uh, prior to the and during the festival to celebrate the uh, the 50th anniversary. Well, Harry, 50, 50 years is a landmark in any institution, and for a volunteer-driven organization, I think that's an extra special achievement. And uh, on behalf of all of us here at FIO, we, we really uh, congratulate you and your team on the work that you've done in our community, and we really do look forward to the 50th celebration. So do we, Dave. I mean, it's going to be a great celebration and party for our community, and uh, I think everybody's going to really be surprised as far as all the activities 
that will take place. Harry Vogt, thanks again for joining us on FIO on the Air. Thanks very much, Steve. If you've got anything you'd like us to talk about, drop us a line, send us a note. We're happy to help out and cover some of the events that are happening in and around the province of Ontario. Just uh, give us a shout and we'll get in touch with you and make it happen. You've been listening to FIO on the Air. Thanks for listening to FIO on the Air, the voice of festivals and events in Ontario.